This is the Grit and Barrett podcast, a podcast devoted to the 11-time Carter Cup champion, the Hershey Bears. We talk Hershey Bears, the American Hockey League, and all the hockey news that matters to me. This is high energy, unfiltered, and at times unfocused hockey talk from a hack. And now, on with the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Game Over, where we say goodbye to each and every NHL team, whether they want to or not. My name is Richard Blosser, welcoming you to this little bit of a side series here on the Hockey Podcast podcast network as the season is winding down we have lovely delicious playoff hockey going on right now as we that is fun to talk about believe you me it is still kind of whisk some teams off the island send them into that cold that cold night so um i know on last time's episode i said we were going to get to a team from the midwest but um planning hasn't really worked out yet so we're jumped and we're going to the West Coast, everyone. We're going to a team that was founded in 1993. Um, a team that wears, as of right now, um, orange, black, gold, and white. They have only one Stanley Cup to their name, one in 2007, and such names in the rafters, such as Salani, Paul Correa, and Scott Niedermeyer. I am talking about none only. None other than SoCal's only, the Anaheim Ducks. The next up here on Game Over, and Nate of the Quack Report. Brilliant naming and branding there, there, gentlemen, on Game Over. So, gentlemen, welcome aboard, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. I got to say, we can't take credit for the naming. <laughs> Uh, I believe that was actually Dylan and Isha when we started on the network at the very beginning. And uh, I think we got hired with like a week and a half before the uh, the networks was supposed to launch. And we were just like, we can't think of anything better. So yeah, Quack Report works. So yeah. <laughs> can't take credit for that one. <laughs> well, I'd say, well, credit for it. it it's your guy's brand. So, <laughs> so... As we go, ask you the scene we go through this. And yeah, you got uh, uh, Raquel, um, but there's some stuff there. I mean, John Gibson showed you could carry the steam on your back, but, but um, what happened? uh carter where do you want to start with that that's a that's a loaded question <laughs> yeah yeah how much time you got richard you got like i don't know we might be here all day but <laughs> we might be here uh, for 82 games so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean the, the ducks definitely didn't Rubber. get off to the start that they wanted to um uh, yeah i, I mean I, I think really it kind of goes back to last season in a way like you know we lost ryan gets in the off season and you know that's that's a big hole to fill and I, I think that this team just didn't really have much of an identity like off the bat or or they, or they were you know trying to find a new identity maybe and you know that 
it, it led to some bad losses early on in the season and then really we just never recovered so i mean that, that's like the short answer of it there, there's obviously a lot more things we can get into but if you're just looking for a nice like overview introductory paragraph i, I think that kind of is how i would sum it up anyways i don't know if you want to add anything to that nate but yeah i know pat Verbeek wasn't too happy with the start of the season there uh you know he expected this team kind of like us as well in our way too early season predictions to you know not be last in the league or last in the division but maybe not yet quite a playoff team but just you know to see some improvements and it's not quite what happened at the start of the season but uh you know as the season went along i don't think there was really any like I guess kind of hard feelings or negative feelings towards, Oh, Hey, we're not doing too great because this upcoming draft is supposed to be really deep. So really wherever we ended up, uh, you got a pretty good chance at a, at a good pick there. So. Agreed. I mean, the, the hashtag was a uh, suck hard for Bernard uh, crashing for, for a uh, Connor blowing it up for a Bernard, whatever you want to call it was definitely um, a thing that this year. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. as someone who saw two games when Anaheim did an East Coast swing in Columbus and Buffalo back in uh, January, um, it, the forward talent seems there, but there was just no defensive structure. I mean, I we saw these guys being skated around, defensemen looking lost. Uh, and again, just Gibson just looking like, what am I supposed to do? what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I think you pretty much, uh, I guess that would really be the summary of the season, or I guess, like Carter said, there's there's different ways that you could summarize it. Yeah, the, you know, kind of the lack of defensive system is one thing that we kind of noticed early on. And once it became apparent, okay, there's no fixing this at the moment. Uh, we just kind of, we, we more use the lack of defensive structure as just a joke, I guess, on on the show. Um, kind of like the the structure itself, you know? But uh, I, I think that also kind of falls towards just the entire uh, the entire structure of the team overall, because yeah. offensively, like you said, there's a lot of talent there and a lot of great talent. You got Trevor Zegris, you got Troy Terry, Adam Henrique, Mason McTavish uh, in the offseason, you know, acquiring Frank Vetrano and Ryan Strom. You got like a lot of talent there, but there's just no structure on the offensive end either. I found that it seemed like the guys were just trying to make it up as they go, which does happen in hockey for sure right but you know there's it there's kind of okay you're at least working within something and it looked as it's like it i i think i described it at the start of the season as the most expensive beer league team uh in in hockey is basically how this team played so it was just okay just go out there and and just try to make something happen i guess so and like beer league as well right you got that one goalie who should maybe be playing in a in a uh, you know, on a, on a, on a, on a team that maybe helps them out a little bit more, that sort of thing. And, um, but uh, yeah, John Gibson did his damnedest this season and uh, definitely had some highs and lows himself, uh, especially early on in the season, I would say he had kind of the lower uh, parts, but then, you know, was able to kind of climb back up and uh, yeah, just the, there's no system overall. I, I feel like in Anaheim this year, which uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if it was five on five uh, penalty kill power play, e- even, you know, you're like you're up with, uh, with the goalie pulled. If you happen to be in that position, just didn't seem to be any structure this year at all. So mm-hmm. one, one thing I will add as well, just to the defense is we went into the season pretty injured, I, I guess. Like we had um back nine and out who was um, yeah. pretty, pretty like solidified in that kind of, 
second pairing role for the majority of last season. Um, we, we had someone else that um, we didn't have at the beginning of the season as well. And then Drysdale obviously was out like, you know, just a couple weeks into the season. So our, our defense really took a, a, a big hit. And like, it's obviously no excuse for the, the poor defensive play that we had. But um, I, I think any plan that may have been in place to for, for you know the game one of the season was just kind of thrown out the window right away or, or very quickly anyways so it kind of trying to defend the ducks a little bit but i mean at the same time there's not like it, it, it there wasn't a whole lot to be um writing home about i guess you know even look if our roster was fully healthy so yeah when you're uh when your top three like nhl caliber guys are cam fowler which that's a positive one i would say mm-hmm. kevin shattenkirk he had his moments and then we all saw what John Klingberg did this year, which was or, or didn't do <laughs> or, or didn't do. Yeah, there you go. You could probably it's probably it's, it's probably a shorter list, though, to name what he actually did do uh, for the Ducks. And, mm. uh, you know, that's, you know, get us a fourth round pick in three drafts, uh, an AHL goaltender and a at the time unsigned prospect. But does look promising for the Ducks, but nothing, uh, you know, too high of value compared to what uh ducks fans and I, I think even pat verbeek and the rest of the anaheim ducks themselves were thinking come trade deadline with that piece right because that's a guy who uh you know was a power play quarterback in dallas and that sort of thing and you'd think at least like a first or a second round pick this year so um i mean there, there's sometimes where it's okay at least you got something but at the same time it doesn't really feel like we got a whole lot for him and it was just okay he helped us get to the cap floor this year thanks a lot see you later <laughs> yeah Sorry, you can tell we haven't talked about the defensive structure in a while, hey Richard. We just we just got to go off now. We've been trying to avoid it because it was the same thing over and over. But yeah. hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, we didn't want to be too redundant on our own show, so I think I think it was like probably like round game ten or something like that. I said on the show, I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna stop talking about the defense unless it's like abysmal kind of thing. But if it's just you know kind of the average of what we're seeing night in night out kind of thing, I'm not gonna talk about it. <laughs> Understood. I mean, when you have a season like what you guys are going through, where there was no hope, you knew by no. by game ten where this was going, that oh, yeah. you, you you know what the issue is, and you don't really want to talk about it. Like you said, it, it was a defense, and you don't want to spend the next six months saying, "Well, what do you guys want to talk about?" When you yeah. know what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of went through that, you know, with Hershey in the second half of the season last year when we had forwards that were equivalent of the ECHL and we knew what the problem was the lack of scoring but I can't keep talking about that on my show every single week so mm-hmm. what you guys are saying to redundant out there um when I was I'm writing up a, a, a script um for a future podcast about how some teams didn't get in um inspired slash ripped off by a friend of the podcast and one thing I wrote with the Ducks is that, yeah, you guys got Klingberg out of there for something, and you were able to fleece the Penguins and get Brock McGinn out of them and send them Kulikov, who, as a very bitter Yinzer, did absolutely nothing. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you want to look at it that way, yeah. I guess kind of kind of won out on that, on that trade, which is the complete opposite from what I was thinking of. I yeah. was not a fan initially of the Brock McGinn pickup. I was like, man, this is a guy that – from everything I can see about him as a guy that's a little overpaid for what he's producing, even on a Pittsburgh Penguins team. So, but uh, I kind of warmed up to him a little bit, but I'd like to see a little bit more out of him, I guess uh, coming up next season. So Mm -hmm. 
Well, we shall see. So let's turn our eyes to uh, the draft offseason. Of course, we said you guys have the highest odds of getting Nard possibly and Adam Fentelli as well. Um, is it a lock you guys will take Connor Bernard with such a deep draft as it is? I mean, I think, uh, well, I think Connor Bernard is like the number one guy in my opinion. So if, if whatever team has that first overall pick, then, then yes, that's, um, who you'd be taking. But I mean, like, yes, the best odds at Connor Bernard is, you know, it's, it's only like what 25%. So, you know, you have a 75% chance of not getting that pick. Right. So it's the, the odds aren't real. Like they're more in your favor than anybody Correct. else, but it still is leaning more towards that. You, you would get someone else. So, I mean, yes, Connor Bedard is like going to be game changing, but we, we do have a lot of centers. Like we, we have pretty decent center depth with McTavish, Zegris, Henrique. Strom can play center too, but even though he played the wing most of the season, like we're, we're kind of fine at that position. We're obviously not going to say no to Bedard, but you know, if we have to take a, a winger at, you know, say spot number three, we're, we're still going to get a decent player and it, it's still going to help our forward lineup. So, you know, um, yeah, it, it kind of really, it, we're kind of in a good position to, to, for for next year no matter who we get i I think anyways yeah and you know you're at least going to get a quality player as well because with being last in the league there you're guaranteed to only drop down to third at the very worst Mm -hmm. um and i kind of feel like it's either going to be like ducks fans will be happy i feel like at one or three i feel like if they get two this is just going to be the second time of uh, the 2005 draft in Sidney crosby where yes the anaheim ducks got bobby ryan and he did great for uh, for the ducks during his time there but there's that one pick removed from this generational type talent and uh if, i think if that happens a second time here uh, penguins fans might or sorry ducks fans might be uh, a little a little upset about that that they're getting uh you know kind of just shuffled to the side once again Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, you know, obviously the conspiracy theorist out there that, that the, uh, the the draft is rigged. Um, I have a very slight conspiracy theory that I think that, that old Bettman may want the notes to get it just so his South, uh, Southwestern mutant project continues on. As I, (laughs) as I, I told people that the Arizona coyotes are the equivalent of, I don't know if you guys have seen like 80s, late 80s sci-fi movies where you have the old man in the tank and he's like yeah. got him and he's propped up in like a tube and he, and you hear and you go up to and the hero like walks up to like the tube and you just hear these words, kill me, kill me. <laughs> what Arizona is. That's yeah. what they are. They're begging you to move them. And it's like, nope, we're keeping you alive. That's the so, best, I, I think, comparison I've ever seen for that. Thing that, that I've... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it much is. It much is. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you guys are in a really good spot. Like you said, at worst, you moved to third. Mm-hmm. And with such a deep draft, it's not really going to hurt too much. I didn't know you guys were second in that draft, and you got were able to get Bobby Ryan but not the, uh, the, the, the Lord and Savior, Sidney Crosby. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, let's, uh, keep, the, let, let's uh, keep, keep this going. Uh, we'll head into July as we head into the, uh, the uh, 
the offseason, of course, the one thing you guys are going to want to get right away is a new head coach as Dallas Eakin was um, shown the door. I thought it'd be a lot sooner. He would have been left on the tarmac and on the airport after an East Coast trip. But um, that's prob- that might be your one big thing heading into the offseason. Um, but what what else do you think the Ducks are going to try and do um, as we as you head into free agency? Well, um, in Pat Verbeek's postseason presser uh, just the other day, um, he he did mention that he wants to find a coach before the draft. That was kind of like his his ideal plan. Like he's not gonna um, like if if the guy isn't available yet that he or he doesn't know who he wants before the draft he's not going to rush the decision but um it sounds like you know kind of the, the next month is going to be pat verbeek picking up the phones and calling potential coaches to to see who's available so um so hopefully that's done before the draft and free agency so you can kind of then tailor your draft and free agency to whatever coach you bring in and i probably will be around for the next two or three years um but yeah i mean besides that uh, I mean, signing the the three big names in Drysdale, Zegris, and Terry is a, a big deal, and signing them for as long as you can. I don't care what the dollar value is because we're not cap crunched. You just want to give them eight years at you know a, a reasonable salary. Don't give them all fifteen million dollars or, or something, but um, sign them for what they're worth and, and make sure that they're happy and want to stay here. That, that's what I think is kind of the I guess now second priority behind. Uh, finding a coach so yeah and i think heading into uh free agency it's gonna be the, the ducks are gonna primarily be looking at the back end i think on uh on defense there um you got kevin shattenkirk nathan Beaulieu, and uh scott harrington all ufas this year along with uh simon benoit's an rfa um that's a guy that i would like to see stick around but we'll have to see what happens there so but yeah i think uh defense is gonna be the the, the main target for um for, for free agency there so Mm-hmm. all good stuff um yeah that that's a great point i didn't know that they um wanted to try and get a head coach uh before um the draft so yeah you can at least have some structure going into um that uh the time of year so good to hear all that um you get like i said i didn't know zegers was at the end of his elc so um just four words that, that pertains to that. Pay me my money. Pay that kid for mm-hmm. what, what it's worth. Um, so sneaky bonus question. I know you guys are said you're good on the salary cap. Do you have enough for both Troy Terry and Trevor Zegras to give them what they want? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm taking a look at cap friendly right now. And uh, the current projected cap space is uh, just over $39 million out of the 83 that'll be okay. for next okay. season. So, yeah, we got, uh, we got we got plenty of room to work with, mm-hmm. which is great there. Um, yeah, we, we do have a lot of guys to sign, like you said, Nate. We yeah. have quite a few um, UFAs and RFAs on yeah, the, the right. back end. But, you know, w- once you get the, the main pieces in, you can you can start to just plug holes with free agent guys or, you know, bridge contracts or whatever. Like, I don't think we'll have to get to that point, but um, mm. we're, we're not going to have to make a trade to sign uh, Terry and Zegris. Those guys are just ready to go. So, yeah. And I think Terry and Zegris are the guys that, you know, you could just give them pretty close to whatever they're wanting. Um, the one guy that we had mentioned earlier though, before was Jamie Drysdale. And just because he 
was, um, excuse me, because he was injured at uh, game eight of the season. We haven't seen a whole lot of him for a while. So that might be the one bridge contract that you see just because there's a lost season out of him. But um, I mean, everything that we saw beforehand, like even the first eight games of the season that we got Jamie, he looked even better than he did in the last eight games of the last season. I was really Mm -hmm. impressed with him off the start here and, um, yeah, so that's the that's the one bridge deal I think you'll see out of uh, out of the big uh, out of the big names, I guess. But yeah. um, not for any fault of his own or that sort of thing. Yeah, and it's to his benefit too, I think, because I mean, right now his market value is probably a, a lot lower than it would be if he had played a full season, um, and it, it, it had continued that success of what we'd seen in the first eight games. Um, so it, it's kind of to his benefit to just sign a, a two year deal for probably half of realistically what he's worth and then you know he'll he'll cash in in a few years once uh, hopefully he, he plays full seasons and is healthy so excellent good good all good stuff and speaking of which we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back right after this hey hockey fan Hockey fans, I know it's the dead it's the dead of summer as we're talking here on Game Over, but DraftKings has got you covered for all of your sports gambling needs as we head into the dead of summer. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN and bet just $5 to secure $150 in bonus bets instantly. There's plenty of baseball and odd sports and maybe even WNBA over the summer to meet your sports gambling needs before Lord Football returns before you know it. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot hill casino and resort in west virginia gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or www.1800gambler.net all games regulated by west virginia lottery please play responsibly in partnership with hollywood casino at charlestown races in connecticut help is prevent help is available for a problem gambling call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org 21 plus in most eligible states but age varies by jurisdiction see draftkings.com sportsbook for details and state specific responsible gambling resources bonus bets expire seven days after insurance one boost per eligible game opt-in required max bet fifty dollars 10 plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. And now, on with the show. And we're back here on Game Over. Talking about the, the Anaheim Ducks. And now it's time for the one big question. One sneaky big question I'm going to ask this team. I don't know what I'm going to ask. They don't know what's coming, so it should be a lot should be a lot of fun. So I guess the question that I want to ask you guys as you head uh, uh, into the offseason, whom, mind you, whom would the quack report like to see behind the bench for the Anaheim Ducks next season? <laughs> oh, I 
Carter, do you want to go ahead first? I got my idea locked in already. You know I, I think it. we probably you know have the same idea, for. so you just you you go for it. <laughs> it's a guy that uh, we're both very familiar. You know, uh, you Richard with uh, the the Washington Capitals, I guess the parent company of the Hershey Bears, and uh, and you know Ducks fans have seen sure. him behind the bench in Anaheim as well. I'm thinking of Bruce. There it is, Mister Bruce Boudreau. Um, I think he's just the he's the perfect coach for this barbecue, team. Bruce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bring bring on the barbecue. Let's go. Um, I, it would it would be really nice to roast barbecue some other teams bur- for once, uh, rather than you know constantly roasting ourselves. Um, but I I feel like just especially out of the the stories that you heard out of Vancouver this year, he just feels like the or I guess over the last two years, um, he just feels like the right coach for this team, right? Especially a team that's very young and just I I feel like kind of just needs just that little that little reassuring nudge of like, it's okay. Like you can go for it. Right. Um, Cause but at the know, same time, providing some structure to the team and yeah, that it, too. Yeah. But um, you know, like somebody like uh, Trevor Zegras, who, yes, we know he can pull the amazing moves and that sort of thing. Right. But at the same time, how much of hockey is kind of telling him to hold back on that uh, in a way. Right. If you could have somebody like uh, Bruce Bedard just being like, Hey, you know, if, the opportunity is a good opportunity. Go for it, right? Because it's something in your bag that you can use, right? That a lot of other players or other teams don't really have, right? That's an advantage to us. So something like that, or uh, you know, somebody uh, like I, I, like Cam Fowler, put up a career high in points this year. Imagine if he can go and put up more points next year, right? And just like, hey, just you know, go go try it a little bit more, right? Like not to sacrifice your defensive end, but see if you can beat that even, right? You're you're a big offensive contributor here now, and uh, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I feel like Bruce would be the the perfect guy behind the bench in Anaheim. So that's a, that's at least my pick. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I think that's that would be my pick as well. I, ideally, would be Bruce Boudreau, just again for that familiarity and um, just overall his coaching style. Um, the the other guy that I was kind of looking at and um, would be uh, Dennis Williams. He coached Team Canada uh, at the World Juniors this past year. He was an assistant coach a couple of years before. Um, currently, he is GM and head coach of the Everett Silvertips. So, you know, he has seen a lot of the guys that are on this Ducks team. And, you know, he's uh, relatively young for an NHL coach at 43 years old. Um, So, I I mean, that would kind of be another guy that I I think, you know, I I would at least be looking at if I was Pat Verbeek for making the step. But um, I I do remember him. uh, Oh, no, where where did I hear this? I think this was on 32 Thoughts um, that uh, they were talking about Verbeek had interest in an, in an Austrian coach as well and potentially bringing him over for San Diego and then you know eventually promoting him but um that that's more of a long-term plan and that might fit better with Bruce Boudreau coming in so um but just for the sake of throwing another name in the ring uh Dennis Williams would be another pick that I wouldn't be mad about so yeah that is an interesting aspect to the Anaheim organization as a whole is not only are we looking for a new NHL head coach we're looking for a new AHL head coach this season as well mm-hmm. um so yeah there's there's a, there's a couple spots to be filled here and uh I think kind of like Carter was saying you know we might see a progression plan kind of put out in front of us or we might see okay this is this is the like just what we're doing now kind of thing As someone who does uh, the the league, 
the AHL uh, in general, not sure I should keep an eye on a lot more of it as well. <laughs> it, it it was not pretty there in San Diego. This the, no, uh, the it wasn't <laughs> was shared between this season. It 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 um it was not, but always good here. The smokehouse savant, as a friend of mine said, mentioned in in head coaching. Um, not to kind of do a bit of a, a flex here, but I got to meet a. Uh, uh, Brucey, when I was up doing, when I was up in the uh, media box at the end of February, as he was checking in on a uh, junior team he owns here in Hershey, so it was a good chance to to uh, to see him. Um, his spirits are up; he loves being around the game. So you know what? I never considered him going back to SoCal, but given that situation, not a bad idea, not a bad idea for him to take the old food truck down there to SoCal. So. Onward we go. Onward we go as we head into next season. So a couple more questions before we get you out of here. Why should Ducks fans be optimistic heading into October? Uh, no Dallas Eakins behind the bench. That's a pretty good start, I think. Um, nothing against the guy. He's just not He's not an NHL coach. He's a great AHL coach, and his records show that, I think. But he just, for whatever reason, yeah. can't get it done in the NHL, whether it's, you know, the roster that's given to him or whatever it is. Um, yeah, no, uh, no, no Dallas Akins. Uh, Jamie Drysdale will be back. Um, you might have another young piece or two uh, on the back end there in uh, Pavel Minchikov and Olin Zellweger um, potentially joining the team. Zellweger, I believe, will uh, be on this opening night roster next year. Um, the kid's just, I feel like he's too good not to, right? Or otherwise, if he's not, he'll be in the AHL for maybe 10, 15 games. Uh, it, I, I feel like he's just, he's too good not to be in that Ducks lineup. So, um, and uh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll really start to see Verbeek's plan take shape here in this coming season. Um, you know, this past season was his first full one and uh, there was still, you know, like an Aikens piece that was still part of the Bob Murray regime. So we're going to have this, this will be the most uh, Pat Verbeek this team has been over his year and a half uh, so far as the Ducks GM. So, um, and we've seen, you know, in the, uh, the free agency last year, in the last couple of trade deadlines, uh, Verbeek's not afraid to make uh, some moves that might make you scratch your head at first, but kind of seem to work out at least. Um you know, this is a guy that did uh, – he, he was at the, the right hand of Steve Iserman uh, throughout his time in Tampa. And so, like, this guy knows how to build a winning team. Um, so, yeah, that's that would be the reasons I would say to be optimistic. I'm not sure if you have anything uh, additional. I kind of took up the list. Oh, no, that's good. <laughs> no, no, I do, I do have a couple. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is a very young team, right? Like, you know, Adam Henrique is, and Ryan Strom are really, like, the only – veterans i would say like you could kind of throw fowler and gibson into there but they're, they're still like mid mid to late 20s like they, they still have you know a good chunk of their careers left ahead of them like so yeah this is a very young team and um especially you know zegris drysdale mctavish those kind of guys they're just coming into the league and yeah they look great now but they're not even close to their their potential yet like they give them three years four years like they're all they're going to be 
peak performance then, and it's only going to get better every season. So, um, so yeah, just getting to watch those guys improve and, and be better and see what else they can actually do uh, is going to be super, super exciting. Um, and then, you, you know, lastly, just like the last little bit of optimism is, you know, we, we can't finish lower than we did this year. Like, at you know, <laughs> at worst, we just get the exact same uh, standings placement at the bottom of the league. Um, <laughs> and then everything else is just, you know, a nice bonus. Like, wow, look at we, we're 31st this year. That's great. So, uh, In the words of the movie Sing, you know what's great about hitting rock bottom? There's nowhere to go but up. I guess that's one, yeah, one exactly. way of looking at it heading into next yeah. season with Anaheim. So... So let's turn that around a bit. Why should Ducks fans be depressed heading into October? Well, I, I think I think that playoffs is a long shot for next season. Like this team still has a lot of growing to do in the post Ryan Getzlaff era. I think. Um, so yes, we're going to be better than we were last year. But I would be shocked if we were in the hunt for a playoff position after, say, like the All-Star break. I, I think by then we would kind of know that we're probably out of it. But, uh, you know, we'll still be winning games. We'll be playing spoiler. We might go on a run where, where we sneak up and, you know, wildcard two might look like a possibility. But then, you know, we come back down to earth. So, um, so yeah, if you're a Ducks fan looking for some postseason hockey I, I think that uh you, you know you might want to find a, a secondary team to cheer for that uh, you can enjoy watching in april may june um so you know that i mean you know you never know you, you really never know stranger things have happened in the nhl um but yeah i think it's a long shot to expect playoffs yeah uh yeah carter's got it right with the playoffs i think i think the only way that you're sniffing the playoffs next year at least is uh you know, if Bedard is that guy that you're able to pick up in the draft, right? Because that is a game-changing guy um, that, you know, I think would help this team that I feel like is just a few pieces removed from being truly competitive for playoff spots and potentially a Stanley Cup. Um, but uh, otherwise, I'm going to go a completely non-on-ice uh, uh, faction or uh, area, I guess, Um I, I know Ducks fans have been really wanting the Mighty Duck specifically to come back. And a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, it's the 30th anniversary this coming year and the team's got a lot of stuff planned. Maybe we're getting the Mighty Duck uh, returning as the home and away uniforms in some fashion. Uh, that's the only thing I'm kind of reserved on is that fans might be disappointed in at least one more year of the Web Duck foot. So not an on-ice thing, but, uh, you know, you can see the jersey collection behind me. I care about that kind of stuff, and the fans definitely do as well, right? They they love the the mighty duck look, and um, you know, I, I haven't seen the numbers for like the reverse retro uh, second series that we just had this year, but I know the the first run of it where the Ducks took arguably one of the ugliest jerseys in NHL history in the Wild Wing jersey, and that was a top five seller for the NHL that year. So the the fans want the mighty duck back, uh, and until I see it happen, I'm gonna just hold back expectation of uh of, of seeing it again as a fellow uh jersey nerd myself nate i can completely relate as to where you are coming from i think the webbed d is very much outdated and um there has always been rumor and innuendo of the team going all orange possibly um i've heard that 
Um, that's interesting. You hearing that the trying to bring the Mighty Ducks aspect to it. Now, you, you what you mean is bringing the Mighty Ducks colors back, the turquoise, the the purple, bringing that back, and not like calling this team the Mighty Ducks again because I don't think they can because who owns that at least that name. Um, I, I don't think they, I think I, I had a conversation about this. I don't think it's anything with the name or that. Like, I don't think Disney owns any of that anymore. It was more the Samuel. He's just moving away from that Disney, uh, iconography and name and that sort of thing. I guess when I'm talking more about the mighty duck is I, I believe like the colors would stay the same. The name would still be the Anaheim ducks, but just that classic mighty duck logo, uh, would be put uh, front and center again. That would become the primary look. Understood. Um, I, the the goalie mask uh, duck on it with the with the sticks. Uh, I think would w- would look great for them. W- mm-hmm. Would be look great. So um, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you on that one. Did not know it's your guys' thirtieth name. Um. So good luck on good luck on that. Should be some good branding coming out with that. So mm-hmm. um, as I've kind of as I kind of did with Columbus, um. Kind of something else I'm doing a bit of analogy is is NHL survivors I call it that like the Ducks this year what type of survivor participant would they have been this year now we're already on you guys were the fourth team in in the order so technically you're the fourth one voted voted off the island but the way that I see it is that the is that the Ducks were able to to get through the first couple challenges didn't exactly earn immunity but didn't do enough to get voted off that was of course teams like chicago and san jose as well but i could just see anaheim doing just enough at one immunity challenge and the west just didn't get i just didn't get it and anaheim's trying to make these deals trying to be the nice person and i've done enough i've done enough i'm not gonna vote it off and unfortunately at tribal council name's been brought up and anaheim gets voted out this year I'll try a very likable person but um Somebody's got to get off the island, and that's uh, to Anaheim this year. So, so lads, it's been good, good talking, good seeing SoCal hockey up again. But as we always do on the show, it's the golden rule we say to the Anaheim Ducks. Always good to hear that soundbite once again. Great to hear it. So, guys, Carter, Nate, it's great to have you on. So, before we get you out of here, I'm going to give you a minute or two for you guys to uh, promote your your stuff, ask whatever else you're working on. So, lads, the board is thine. Yeah. Well, thank you, Richard, for having us on. Uh, we always look forward to this time of year um, because, you know, we, we know that we're, we're out <laughs> by, you know, like you said, sometimes November, sometimes January, maybe February if we're lucky. Um, but at least we know we get to come on here and have a good chat. And it's almost like a little little therapy session for us to, yeah. to come on here and, and share our season with you. But uh, yeah, we yeah. we can be found on all the social media platforms at uh, at Quack Report Pod. Uh, Twitter is where we're most active, but uh, also on YouTube at Quack Report Pod. We, we live stream our episodes there and, and post clips Um you know, a couple times a week or so, um, Instagram, Twitch, Facebook, all of those places. Um, and then I'm on Twitter at Carter underscore pots, P O T T S underscore 97. And, uh, yeah, Nate, I'll let you plug your stuff there. 
Uh, yeah, I'm most active on Twitter as well at Tate Namas, T-A-T-E-N-H-O-M-A-S. Uh, and you'll see me posting about the uh, Ducks. I'm also a Flames fan, so you'll see me talk about them and uh, Jersey concepts and other things I'm working on. So especially if you're watching, uh, you know, like the Mandalorian or uh, Ahsoka coming up, get ready to see some tweets from me. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Star Wars. Yay. <laughs> Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Thank you, Quack Report, for coming on. Game over this time. Thank you guys for coming on. And hope here's hoping next year I don't have to talk to you guys so early in the lineup because I think out of the two <laughs> out of the three years I've done this with the Hockey Podcast Network, you guys seem to be on in like the first five. So just yeah. <laughs> I'm not asking you to win the West. I mean, at least try to be the best team in your own state. Just saying. <laughs> so next time, game. Next time on game over, we look to possibly head either stay out in the west, a space, head out somewhere that's a lot, a little weird, a little place in eastern Canada, perhaps. But until next time, my name's Richard Blosser for game over. Take care, everyone, and enjoy the playoff hockey, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Grit and Barrett podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening to. If you are listening on Apple or Google, please leave us a five-star review as it appeases our algorithm overlords. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the Hockey Podcast Network, where there is a podcast for each and every NHL team. We also cover the American Hockey League. They have a podcast about college hockey and all the ins and outs of the hockey world. If you wish to know more about our parent club, please check out the official Caps Chirps podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network as they cover all things Washington Capitals. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. That's at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. This podcast is dedicated to the memory of Patricia Blosser, who passed away on December 5th, 2020, to dementia and COVID. The show is also dedicated to all of the Hershey Bears' friends, fans, and family who lost their lives to cancer. Cancer sucks. Thank you once again for listening to the Grit and Barrett podcast, and go Bears. Go Bears!